Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our continuation of our NBA draft analysis series, and we're going to be talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the Minnesota Timberwolves were lucky enough to get the number one pick in this year's draft, along with the 17th pick and the 31st pick. So this is a good selection of picks, and it seems like Anthony Edwards is the consensus number one pick. So, Jalen, do you think the Timberwolves take Anthony Edwards? I think if they're stuck at number one, they have to. I feel like that's the guy that fits the best, although there's been rumblings around LaMelo Ball potentially being there. It seems like Anthony Edwards, like you said before, is the runaround consensus number one overall pick, especially after he had his uh, NBA Pro Day um, a, a day or two ago from when we're recording this. So he's just in a position right now where if they keep it, I don't see why they don't go after him i think the only consensus that's also consistent in terms of like their people's takes on anthony edwards is how will a guy like him potentially gel with a guy like d'angelo russell but i don't have as much of a big concern about that only because i see anthony edwards as maybe a more physical version of a guy like michael beasley who did relatively well this season when traded to the timberwolves so I think he's a good guy to look out for. I think it's really interesting. A lot of the websites have been a lot lower on LaMelo Ball as of recent, and they've been a lot more hype around – there's been a lot more hype around Denny Avdia, especially in terms of his positioning of going number two to the Golden State Warriors. And it's bumping LaMelo Ball down all the way to four now to my Chicago Bulls. So it shows you just how much – Anthony Edwards' stock has maintained, if not risen, while other guys around him are kind of being put in a position where if you play a similar position as him, you're going to kind of face the music because the next team available that might be looking for a guard might not be until four. So it's really interesting, but I think Anthony Edwards is the guy. Yeah, I think uh, Anthony Edwards is the guy as well. I think that he's been the favorite to be the first overall pick for a while, and I think in my opinion, he is still a favorite. Uh, he was a guy who averaged 19 a game coming out of college in his first season at Georgia. Only shot about 29% from beyond the arc, though. Uh, he has a lot of upside, and having him be another scoring option on the floor, along with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, would be huge for a team that has a lot of potential. I think he's definitely beneficial to have as a scoring option, especially when you're able to create your own shot and be a dynamic playmaker like he is. I think the only downside, though, is that he isn't the best defender, but I think with time and development, he could become a solid defender. I think LaMelo Ball could also be a good pick, but I think it would be kind of redundant in terms of the play styles when you already have a guy like D'Angelo Russell. It's definitely a concern, but, I mean, James Wiseman, as good as a defensive fit as he may be, I think the spacing could be a little off. I don't know. It just seems like they need more help with facilitating the ball or at least having a guy who can put the ball in the basket. It, it's a it's an odd situation where the 
Timberwolves need to kind of strengthen a strength by putting them as putting themselves in a position to be able to truly hang with teams because they're not going to be able to hang their hat on defense. They couldn't even do that when Tom Thibodeau was their coach and his whole MO was defense, let alone now in the position where they're in, where they essentially have the two, two guys who were friends with each other coming out of college who essentially run the franchise now and, they're going to get what they want. They want to be put in the best position possible. Hopefully with D'Lo coming back healthy this year, we'll be able to see like a full sample size of that. I think what's more interesting, because I feel like the first overall pick is not even the most interesting aspect of the Timberwolves um, overall draft day, because there is a high probability that they will not be using it. I genuinely feel as though if they're stuck with Anthony Edwards, I think they will probably end up moving on from it. I I'm a lot more curious to see where you stand on the 17th overall pick, middle of the first round, not a lottery pick, like the number one overall pick, but it's smack dab in the middle of the first round. And there's a lot of guys floating around that area. So who do you think are some guys, one or two, maybe even three guys that you have in mind that could potentially fit this team that fall within that range? Well, the one guy that I would think that the Timberwolves could select is Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. Uh, Sadiq Bey is a guy who averaged 16 points a game, shot 45% from beyond the arc. He's a solid two-way player, good shooter and defender on the perimeter. He's an efficient scorer, solid floor spacer, using his physicality to not only create his own shot, but to be a successful passer as well. I would say maybe the most disciplined player in this draft. He really doesn't make a lot of mistakes on defense or on offense. I think he's able to combine physicality and discipline, making him efficient on both sides of the floor. And I think his three-point shot-making ability will pick up some of the slack for a guy like Anthony Edwards, who, as I mentioned earlier, struggled to shoot the ball efficiently from beyond the arc. I would think, you know, if you want to go with a big man as well, you could probably go to Jalen Smith out of Maryland. I know we've given high praise to Jalen Smith considering his improvement at his time at Maryland. So he could be another fit, a guy who can back up Carl Anthony Towns. Kira Lewis Jr., I know Jalen definitely has has some high praise for him as well. He's a guy who, when you get him out on the open court, he's dangerous. He's maybe the most efficient on the transition. So those are three guys that I would watch out for. I think you took two of mine, so this is going to make my job a little easy. But I think the easy thing is that I think – this team needs blue chippers bad. They need guys who can step into their roles and play immediately or play discipline because this is a team that without structure, man, they've been, they've been a struggling franchise. They've needed one sole pillar guy, whether it was Kevin Garnett once upon a time or Jimmy Butler for the year that he was there propelling them to the playoffs above the Denver Nuggets at the time. They've always been this team that without, true structure around them has been a team that struggles mightily and not to say that any rookie is going to bring that structure, but their ability to not disrupt the apple cart is going to be huge. So I think Sadiq Bey is a, is a great one. 3D wing question will be whether or not he will fall that low. He's looking like a lottery pick to a lot of people, especially because of his ability to stretch the floor. That 3D wing aspect is like the golden child of the NBA when it comes to the NBA draft nowadays. So it's kind of one of those hard things to dip around. And then you throw on top of that, Jalen Smith, blue trip prospect off the off the rip. I mean, they already have Naz Reed out of LSU from last year, who did relatively well within the minutes that he played. 
but he's still a guy who we have to see a little bit of time from. And he kind of comes off as more of like a small ball four or maybe even less a regular four in terms of power forward. While Jalen Smith could at 6'10", he could be your small ball center. and You don't really lose any size. The guy who I'll say is a wild card might be picked a little bit early based on a lot of mock drafts. But I think Trey Jones follows up. They once had Ty Jones and that went relatively well. His brother is a is I'm gonna say I wouldn't say a great player, but definitely a good rotational piece um, that's been on a couple of teams across the league. I think he's actually uh, on Memphis now. I would have to double check that, but he definitely was um, there for a short stint. And um, I think Trey Jones gives them another facilitating point guard alongside a guy like D'Lo, where it kind of puts D'Angelo Russell in less of a ball handling role and more of the off-ball two-guard style that he can play. As great of a facilitator as he is, he's a guy who does most of his work off the catch, in the pick and pops, in the pick and rolls, and he can still be able to initiate those things with Carl Anthony Towns. But I think that they just need a guy like Trey Jones, especially defensively next to a guy like D'Angelo Russell. Even if Trey Jones is not the one facilitating the offense, just his presence defensively is going to help D'Angelo Russell immensely. So I think it's one of those things where you just have to take like, you know, you have to call a spade a spade. And we know that D'Angelo Russell may be a great elite scorer, especially in the pick and roll offense. And having a guy like Carl Anthony Towns helps that a ton. But Trey Jones improved as a three-point shooter. He was one of the top defensive players in the league at the guard position, if not in the ACC and the NCAA in general, regardless of position. And he's a guy who can steer the ship. And I, I've said it on multiple episodes where we've done this in the past, but he's a guy who's been used to playing around superstar talent beforehand. Now, what where you feel about a guy like D'Angelo Russell in that situation is up to you. But obviously we know where Carl Anthony Towns stands in that rotation. So, I mean, I honestly think those are the guys. You laid it out perfectly, though. I think that the two main guys to look at are Sadiq Bey and – Jalen Smith is no slouch. I think that'll be the guy that more than likely be to snag out. Shout out Maryland. But those three guys I think are going to be huge. Kira Lewis Jr. is a really interesting one because, I mean, in terms of his ability to play combo guard, that'll be the real question for him. Kira Lewis is a scorer by trade. I mean, 18.5 points per game. I have a little bit of concern about that 36.6% shooting from three. Granted, that's like a round league average, if not a little bit above league average in terms of like three-point distance in, in the league for, um, for the NBA. But he's going to have to be a relatively good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter with a guy like D'Lo on that end. Of course, the other thing is two six-three guys, or I mean, in terms of at least Kira Lewis, 6'3". The defense is there from a speed standpoint, but he screams De'Aaron Fox to me. And as much as I love that cat, I just wonder whether or not they need a De'Aaron Fox-like player on this team. So, I mean, as concerning as the whole thing is, I genuinely feel like the two guys you named up at the top are the main guys to look for. But, I mean, hey, man, the Timberwolves got some crazy options, crazy options. And I think that if you're talking about, like, three-point shooters, we mentioned them on the podcast for a guy like Grant Riller. I have Charleston, solid three-point shooter. Definitely somebody that you can watch out for with the 17th overall pick. But now moving on to the second round where they have the 31st overall pick, the first pick of the second round. Um, 33. 33. Jalen, what do you see Minnesota doing with a 33rd overall pick? 
So I think that's an interesting spot where you just mentioned Grant Riller. So like, let's just take that and like, let's move that down to here because I feel like this is probably more of a spot where they may be able to snag a guy like Grant Riller in. Ironically enough, Tankathon has them taking Nico Mannion, who is like fell from grace <laughs> in comparison to where he started in terms of the beginning of 2020 as a prospect. I genuinely feel like a guy like Nico Mannion I mean, he's good. He's a decent player. I think playing for Arizona may have helped him in terms of stature being a part of a quote-unquote blue blood level school. But I genuinely feel like a guy like Grant Riller might be more the speed. I mean, granted, the issue comes down to he is a high-volume scorer. So how effective can Grant Riller be without the ball in his hands? Because we know he was the driving force of Charleston. And I don't know if that means a ton, but he was the primary ball f- ball handler, facilitator, scorer for that Charleston team. He's not going to be that guy on Minnesota. So his ability to play without the ball is going to be huge because anything beyond that, we don't really necessarily know very much about where he stands. I think the guy that they have to go for, if there's anybody who you can plug into a system, tell them, play within yourself, and handle your business. I think a guy like Jemias Ramsey at the two-guard spot would go crazy. He's an all-effort player. He's one of those guys who, I mean, pretty much it's ironic, right? Texas Tech, right? Did we not just have this same draft scenario literally just last year for the Minnesota Timberwolves? And now they go back to the well again with the Texas Tech prospect again. And I think that genuinely in this circumstance, 15 points per game, active hands, 1.3 steals per game, 42% from three, which is what we discussed beforehand. I think that's a guy at the two guard position who could be huge for a team like the Timberwolves because of the fact that he, he's just all effort, man. Like I said, you kind of need some blue shippers on your team in this kind of situation. I mean, literally, just last season, like I said earlier on, Jared Culver is the guy who comes available in the lottery. And although we didn't see a ton of him in the beginning of the year, he was a guy who kind of slowly came into his own. And Michael Beasley might have disrupted things a little bit with the playing time aspect. But I think these are two guys in Jamias Ramsey and Jared Culver who could be huge for this team. The question is just going to come down to, man, are they going to let these young guys eat? Or are they going to just let D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns just play 2v, 2v5, basically? Because otherwise, I think they got some guys on this squad, and adding a guy like Jamias Ramsey might be huge. So Grant Riller is an interesting one. I think that's an interesting one. It's just really going to come down to, can he play without the ball? Because we haven't seen it. I think it's interesting that you brought up Jemias Ramsey just simply because I feel like he's going to be already drafted by the time we get to the second round. I think not only that, but also they have two solid shooting guards already with uh, Malik Beasley and Jared Culver, who they just drafted last year. I think it's just going to be more about where Jemias Ramsey fits in the offensive scheme. I mean, maybe he can come off the bench for uh, D'Angelo Russell, but I feel like if you're talking about where the depth is in the shooting in the shooting guard position for Minnesota. I feel like they already are kind of stacked considering that you already have Malik Beasley. And then, like I mentioned, you also have Derek Culver. I think they should focus on going with the small forward position because I think that it's a tough position that 
Minnesota doesn't really have a lot of. There's not a lot of depth at that position. So I think they're going to select Killian Tilly out of Gonzaga. I think he's maybe the most polished player uh, in the draft. I think that with a guy like Killian Tilly, it's not hard to find faults in his game. He's a guy who averaged 14 and 5 a game. He has a great skill set, solid court vision, one of the most efficient players on both sides of the floor, uh, whether it's in the paint or on the perimeter. They could definitely use depth at the small forward position, especially considering that, like I said, they don't have a lot of depth at that position. I also think they could go with a guy like Vernon Carey out of Duke if you wanted to back up Carl Anthony Towns. He's a guy who averaged 18 and 9 a game, uh, scoring most of his points in the paint, making a strong effort to draw fouls. Definitely a guy who finishes through contact. If you remember from Duke, he's a guy who went to the free throw line a lot and was able to draw fouls pretty frequently. I think he could he could develop into a solid three-point shooter if he continues to develop it. I think he's also a solid rim protector. He was maybe one of the best post defenders in this draft. Also, another guy, Isaiah Stewart from Washington, could be a solid option. I think he possesses some of the same qualities that Vernon Carey has. I think ultimately they have to go with Killian Tilly just because the small forward position seems like the biggest positional need. I mean, I'm interested in seeing Killian Tilly at the at the three. I mean, six ten, he played power forward and center at Gonzaga. He's mainly a passer. The rebounding is not really there, so I understand that. It's interesting to call him a passer though when you only average two assists per game. But he's a guy who he was a projected first round pick pretty much from like his second year on, and he's went back to the well multiple times. I think he just wants to finish college because other than that, this was a guy who could have got to the bag a few times as a first-round projected pick, which is huge. I think – I don't think you're wrong to want to aim for that position. I think that's a huge one to want to try to add some depth to because at the end of the day, Carl Anthony Towns isn't going to play 48 minutes, and we understand that. I just think this is a team that needs as many shot creators as possible, though. Like I said before, at the end of the day, the biggest question for this team is going to come down to, is this going to be the Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell show, or is this going to be some kind of team effort built around young talent because they have a ton of it? Ryan, this was a 19-win team last year. Let's finish out with this, my guy. They have the first overall pick. They have another pick just flat out, just just barely out of the, out of the lottery. They even have a top of the second round pick. They got a lot of holes, a ton of holes, and the West is getting worse. What do you think is the most important philosophy draft-wise or even even in free agency? What is the most important philosophy you feel as though the Timberwolves need to address this offseason if they even want to be considered in the mix for a playoff position considering the fact that all of this is happening around them, and they're not a team that doesn't look like they're getting better fast at all. I would try to rebuild because I think if you build around the fran- build the franchise around D'Angelo Russell and, and uh, Carl Anthony Towns, I feel like you're going to, I feel like you're going to be satisfied with what you get at the end. Let's keep in mind that D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are no slouches. These two are solid players. Carl Anthony Towns had a great season when Minnesota went to the playoffs. D'Angelo Russell was solid with the Nets. I think he 
he kind of looked like a bust early in his career when he was with the Lakers, and then he went to Brooklyn and he got a new start. And then he was able to take Brooklyn to the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years. I think they really have to focus on building the franchise around D'Angelo Russell and Carlin and the accounts. Now, the real question is who's going to be the supporting cast. I emphasize the supporting cast a lot on the show because they're just as important as the main stars. Let's keep in mind that, you know, your supporting cast right now, it's not bad. They're all young players. Juan Hernan Gomez, solid big man. Jared Culver, you just drafted out of Texas Tech. You got to give him time to develop. I think he's going to be a solid six man at one point if Malik Beasley takes over the two. And then, of course, like I mentioned, Malik Beasley, we saw what he did in Denver. He's a solid player as well. I think Minnesota is a team that has promise. And I think once they build their team around D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, this team could be a threat. I mean, I agree with you. I think the main thing is give Cat and D'Lo guys that fit. Make the puzzle pieces fit. Juancho Hernan Gomez, like you mentioned. Love him at the small forward position. I feel like his athleticism is a little underrated. He'll give you a poster here and there. He's not a guy who's a consistent scorer all that much. Josh Okogie is a guy you didn't mention. He's a guy defensively. You got to remember, this is the guy who made the defensive stop that stopped what could have been the most masterful offensive play by Kyrie Irving that we've ever seen from an NBA player. That was Josh Okogie's defensive stance, and he is that overall defensive point guard for that team. James Johnson is a guy they got from the Miami Heat, and although he couldn't pass the Miami Heat physical, it's really hard to pass a Miami Heat physical when you see the kind of things that they want them guys to be held up to the standards to. So is his work ethic a little in question? Potentially, but at the same time, well-respected player, I'll say, in terms of his physicality. I think a guy like Jared Vanderbilt, who was included in that trade with Malik Beasley, Beasley from the Denver Nuggets, he's a guy who literally might put you in a position as the Timberwolves to make it where you don't feel as though you have to go into the draft to pick up a power forward because the stints that Jared Vanderbilt has shown in the NBA, in the G League, and his overall build shows for a guy who can be a rotational power forward in this league. I think they have guys on the roster already that are good rotational players, but it's about putting them in the positions to fit. And now they have three more draft picks on top of the fact that one of them is the first overall pick in the draft. They may be at a move that they get just the kind of guy that they're looking for, whether in terms of just a, a veteran presence that fits the mold of what they, they need to kind of make everything come together. But I couldn't agree with you more. I think the main thing is make the puzzle fit. Simple as that. You got two stars, make it fit. Because otherwise, you just got a a very interesting 2K team where only two guys are 90 overall or eight, I would say 88 overall or higher, and everybody else is floating with 60 and no badges. And that's kind of an unfortunate circumstance for a Timberwolves team that pretty much, you know, they're not going to be in the mix for a while if they do, don't do anything soon. And not to disrespect any of those guys that are on their bench or on their across their roster, like Malik Beasley, like Jared Culver, Akogi, and others, when I say the no badges thing. But you genuinely just have to put them in the right position in order to be able to fit around two guys who have the kind of skill sets that D'Lo and Kat have. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what do you believe the philosophy of the Minnesota Timberwolves 
be going into this draft. This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get our podcast. Also, wish Jalen a happy birthday. He just turned 22 years old. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.